Support for this podcast is provided by That Cast Creative. Brand your business and connect with your audience by creating a custom podcast. Learn more at thatcast.com. Want to advertise on this podcast or one like it and reach a targeted and engaged audience? Go to thatcast.com to start reaching our audience. That Cast Network presents The Beaver Buzz, a look inside Oregon State Athletics with your host, Bob Lundeberg. Welcome, everybody, to the Beaver Buzz podcast, part of the That Cast Podcast Network. This is your host, Bob Lundeberg, back after a really nice, wonderful stretch of time off during the college sports dead period that is the month of July. But obviously, things are dead no more as college football fall camps are about to get underway here throughout the entire country. Oregon State hosted its annual media day Wednesday morning outside Valley Football Center at Research Stadium. And I was able to get offensive coordinator Brian Lindgren and outside linebacker Hamaker Rashid to come on the show. You guys will will hear from Lindgren first. And I thought we had a, a pretty interesting conversation that involved what his offensive philosophy is and also how tempo has really changed uh, offensive and defensive strategy in college football over the last you know decade or so. Coach Lingry and I, we touched on the quarterback battle as well between Jake Luton and Tristan Jebbia, and also some other notes in general from the offensive side of the ball. After speaking with Coach Lingren, Hemaker Rashid and I then sat down and we went through kind of the, the start of fall camp, the strides that the defense made during the offseason. And we also talked about whether it's more important to have a dominant pass rush or a lockdown secondary when you're facing these high-powered offenses throughout the Pac-12. Rashid is someone you can tell really cares uh, about the game of football and is really passionate about getting better as a player kind of on a, on a day-to-day basis. I thought that Rashid was one of the defense's few bright spots last year, and his goal for this upcoming fall is to be a double-digit sack guy. That certainly is a, a pretty tall order, but I, I think uh, I think he certainly has a shot to do it in uh, Oregon State's 3-4 mixed defense. Before we jump right into those football conversations, I did want to talk a little bit about Oregon State pitching coach Nate Yeski bolting for Arizona last week. When Mitch Canham was hired as Pat Casey's permanent replacement back in June, uh, it was initially reported that Yeski would be staying on as pitching coach. And uh, a few weeks passed, and Yeski then, he was ultimately offered and accepted what, what is a promotion to associate head coach and pitching coach down at the University of Arizona. Now, uh, Canham has yet to hire a new pitching coach to join his staff that currently includes the former interim head coach for Oregon State, Pat Bailey, and volunteer assistant, Ryan Gibson. Now, I can't say that this news uh, of Yeski bolting from Oregon State really surprises me that much. There's certainly no doubt Nate is one of, if not the best pitching coach in all of college baseball. If you look at the stats, I mean, Oregon State routinely ranks among the nation's leaders in Team ERA. And Nate also, during his time in Corvallis, just routinely developed guys of varying skill levels and would get the best out of them. You know, whether it was a guy with first-round type talent in terms of a, a Drew Rasmussen or a Luke Heimlich or a Kevin Abel, or whether it was a you know softer-throwing guy like Max Engelbrecht, or whether it was more of a project like Jake Thompson. Nate just has a way of connecting with all of these guys, and, and I think the results, to be fair, completely speak for themselves. 
and I know that Nate's I know that Nate has wanted and currently wants to be a head coach. So even if he were to have stuck around for next season in Corvallis, I think it's very likely he would have been gone very soon anyway to chase his dream of being a head coach. And I also think with all of this, it's important to note that it was probably pretty tough for him losing out on the opportunity twice to be the head coach at Oregon State. As we talked about earlier, Bailey was named interim head coach when Casey stepped away last September. And then athletic director Scott Barnes, well, he opted to hire Canham over Yeski and Bailey as Coach Casey's permanent successor. So looking at things from a career perspective, I think this is probably a, a smart move for Nate. He gets a, a small promotion and title and probably in duty and also an opportunity to do wonders with an Arizona pitching staff that, quite frankly, has really underperformed in recent seasons and was the main reason why the Wildcats didn't qualify for the NCAA tournament the past two years. I think it's very likely Nate will be a head coach at, at a strong baseball program within the next year or two. And it would, to be fair, it would really surprise me if he's not successful because I think he is that good of a coach. I've talked to numerous current and former players and over the last few years, and I've, I've never heard a bad word about Coach Ness, Nate Yeski. The pitchers love him, and he is respected by many prominent former position players as well. It's not just from what he does from a coaching perspective. He really creates and builds relationships with players, and that's why I think he is going to be a successful head coach. So things uh, around Gal Stadium are definitely going to look a little bit different next year. No Pat Casey, no Adley Rutschman, and now no, no Nate Yeski. So this will, uh, you know, what goes without saying, will be an important hire for Cam as the Beavers traditionally have won more with pitching and defense. I'm not going to speculate on, on who the new pitching coach will be, but I imagine that hire, uh, I imagine we'll learn who that hire is uh, before too long because fall ball is just around the corner. As always, uh, thanks to all of you guys for listening to the Beaver Buzz podcast, part of the ThatCast podcast network. Uh, Beaver Buzz podcast is available on iTunes, Spotify, and that and ThatCast.com. So please subscribe, rate, and review. It is time to take a quick break, and I'll be uh, back next segment with offensive coordinator Brian Lindgren. And then after that, uh, you'll hear from outside linebacker Hamika Rashid. Anna Canzano hosts That Expert Show, the show you help run. Hear the top experts on a variety of topics interviewed by a top journalist. Find That Expert Show and other shows on the ThatCast Network. Visit thatcast.com. From Guild Coliseum to Research Stadium, it's the Beaver Buzz with Bob Lundeberg. All right. Well, we're back here on the Beaver Buzz podcast with offensive coordinator Brian Lindgren. Thanks for uh, hopping on with me on this uh, this lovely morning. Yeah, no problem. Good to be here. So, Brian, I guess about a year ago, we were all you know gathered in the similar spot here at Valley Football Center. I'm not sure anyone knew exactly what what to kind of expect from Oregon State's offense. So, how much different do, does it feel you know for you knowing that you guys have had what a year and a half or so to work with so many of these offensive players and kind of install your system and your scheme and, and what you guys the concepts you get what you guys want to do. No, it. Uh, I think we're in a better place than we were a year ago for sure. Um, <laughs> but just we have a better idea of our personnel, um, and then I think the guys that we have have, like you said, have been have been in the same system now. Um, you know, going on to our second season, so they, they've they've had a lot more reps and the concepts that we're that we're trying to get across. And I think the guys are just there's a lot more uh, comfort level, I guess, with with what we're doing, and and uh, that's fun as coaches. 
If someone, I guess, asked you to describe what your offensive philosophy is, I guess, how would you kind of say that? What would you tell them? I guess, what what do you think are kind of the linchpins of Brian Lingrid's approach, you know, to offensive football? Huh. Um, no, I I, uh, I do. I think it's um, – I have a second to think about Oh, that. yeah, of course. I wanted to make sure. I no, I want – and absolutely, I want you to take all the time because, you know, I think there's a lot of different – ways you could you could go with this because everyone kind of whatever their scheme is can sometimes mesh to the personnel that they have some people have ideas where they know exactly what they want and they want to see that on the field I guess everyone is kind of different with that maybe for you you just <laughs> like to see do you I mean do no you, I just I was kind of thinking I was like gosh this is a good I, that's an interesting interesting question um you know yeah I think that we we always say that uh you know we're a pro style offense mm-hmm. um that wants to play fast and we base it from a no huddle perspective, um, and and I think we want to be balanced. And I, I say balanced in the fact not that, that we necessarily want to be 50% run, 50% pass, yeah. but we want to have we want to be good at both. Um, and so if if a team is you know going to try to take one away, we can make them pay with the other. They're going to load up the box and try to start Jamar and AP in our run game. We want to be able to make them pay down the field with, with our pass game. And, and likewise, if they're going to play soft, we got to be able to run the ball. And I think when you're doing both of those well, you make it real tough on, on defensive coordinators. You mentioned tempo, and I don't want to ask you, I don't want to try to stump you with another question or anything, but why, why do you think it took so long for up-tempo pace to become such a norm throughout college football? Because I just remember, you know, growing up, playing the video games, it seemed like when you sped up and really got things going, it, the defense would always be on its heels. And then in, in, in real-time games, whether it's college football or NFL, teams would go to the two-minute offense, and immediately it seemed to work. Why, why do you think it took so long for this tempo thing to really come and become such a big part of now what we see in college football it's probably just comfort level of coaches that have been doing it that way for a long time and and uh, i think the, the more and more people that did it and had success with it you know it, it just it's kind of come the norm uh, yeah. now and we use it more as a change up than we do just going fast all the time um you know to be able to change the tempo and keep people off off balance because defenses have have come along a little bit in the way that they defend it those guys are They've reduced their calls. They're no longer huddling as a yeah. defense. You know they're kind of no huddle as well, and and uh, they're they're doing a better job of matching and getting their and their calls in. And you used to be able to go fast, and they would play a really vanilla defense, and you got yourself and you just didn't have to worry about a lot of crazy yeah. looks. I mean, you mentioned the tempo thing in terms of like more of a changeup. It really almost sort of is kind of like a pitcher, right? Because if you have a guy that just throws 98, but if he throws out every single pitch, the hitter will adjust. It, I, the tempo is definitely most effective when you are going kind of at different paces, correct? And it, yeah, and I, and I think a, the, the, other, the other part you got to look at is the team, the team aspect of it all. And if we're going fast all the time, we've, our defense has really got to be bought into that too. They're yeah. going to have to defend a lot more snaps. Um, and so I think we just, yeah, like you said, changing it up to where maybe we – grab a first down and and uh we decide to go fast and we've got them on their heels a little bit or we hit a big play and we want to go quick and just another kind of tool in our arsenal um to help keep those guys off balance so entering fall camp appears to be a two-horse race for the starting starting quarterback job between incumbent jake luton nebraska transfer tristan jebbia that that old football adage you know is that you know if you have two quarterbacks you really have none but i imagine that's something that that you don't agree with right that you know you'd rather have as many good quarterbacks vying for a spot as possible right uh no question (laughs) i think so the competition is awesome i mean i'm i uh i really excited about both guys and and they both um you know do a lot of good things and i i think i'd i'd feel pretty comfortable with either one of them out there and that's that's a good uh, that's a good problem to have so with Jake and Tristan what are a couple of things or the main things that each of those guys really really excel at in your opinion 
Well, I just I think first off, Jake is he's got a big arm and and uh, he's a really he's a really talented pocket passer. Um, you know, big arm can make throws across the field, deep throws across the field. Um, he's accurate and and I think the thing with him is he's played now. I mean, he's he's started games in this conference and he's got experience in what we do and um, I think that's huge. So I'm I'm really excited about Jake and I feel like he had a really good off season. He's got himself in a in a good spot as far as his body. I think he's. He's healthy, and, yeah. and uh, I think he's coming in really good good condition, and, and I'm excited um, to watch him compete this fall. And then and then with Tristan, uh, the thing about, about him is he's, he's just kind of a gym rat, man. He's one of those guys that loves football. He's always around, and, and he's trying to learn as much as he can. And like Jake, he's a pocket passer. I think he gets the ball out of his hand really quick, um, accurate thrower. But, but I really like the way that just he's – his mental makeup and his drive to, to you know – learn the offense and and really be the best you know player that he can be i think that's gonna that's gonna take him a long way we all know that quarterback is the most important position maybe in all sports but certainly in football but does a quarterback in your opinion does that position do they have to be a leader is i mean because leadership certainly what that the broad term is important but does a quarterback need to be one of the main leaders of the team in your opinion uh, I think it's important okay. and and I, I think I say that and I don't know that he always has to be a vocal leader you know and and I think I just tell guys just if it's not in your personality you know we don't want it to be someone <laughs> yeah. that you're not um, but I, I, I say it is you don't have to be a vocal leader is that you can set the tone you know as far as the leadership by what you're doing off the field how you're working you know away from practice or spending time after practice with the guys you don't necessarily have to be the guy that's out there in front of the cameras you know chewing it you know getting after somebody or being the rah-rah you know leader leadership that way but um but i do think it's important that that guy is doing the right things um and he's and he's doing some of those things that are maybe you know like you said not always verbal um but more action in nature and i think that's that's uh that's the thing that we really ask those guys as of right now is there really any timetable for naming a, a starting quarterback i imagine the answer to that's probably not but no and it's <laughs> something that we're you know, Jonathan and I have been talking through this summer, uh-huh. and we haven't we haven't nailed anything down. And that's probably a good that's probably a good question for him. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I think it's something that we're just we're gonna you know give those guys each you know a lot of reps with the ones, a lot of reps with the twos, mm-hmm. and 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 uh, and go through camp. And then I think when he's ready to make the decision, he'll 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 name them. Okay, a couple quick questions, and we'll get you out of here. So, running back might be the deepest position, maybe on the entire roster. We got you know Jamar Jefferson, Art Pierce, saw a spring breakout star Calvin Tyler, um, BJ Baylor. I mean, a lot of these guys were were really solid. So, ha- have you and, and Coach Smith thought, um, I guess, about running you know maybe more multiple back sets or any multiple back sets this year just to take advantage of all these ball carriers you have? It's just something uh, a thought that popped into my mind just thinking about all that. Yeah, it's, it's we've talked about it, and uh, I think that you'll see a little bit of it i don't yeah. know that that's going to be a, a primary uh, focus because i the, the funny thing is like you know only one of those guys can touch the ball <laughs> um one of them's gonna have to block or catch or something so there'll be some things i think some wrinkles that we do True. and and uh but we've also got some pretty good tight ends and and some receivers so that's uh i think like you said it's a good problem to have um but i think you're going to see you're going to see those backs rotate through and and uh keep people off balance and finally, I think it is probably fair to say that pass protection was an issue for you guys at times last year. How confident are you that the offensive line will, will you know, make progress and be better in terms of that, their pass protection this season? Yeah, I think they, they, that's been a main, that's been a main uh, you know, area of focus for us all spring. And, and 
I, I just I think another year in the system with the backs and the the uh, the offensive line, and I think a lot of that is on the quarterback too. We challenge the quarterbacks, man. You gotta you gotta understand the protection. You gotta understand where you're weak. You gotta have a sense of urgency and get the ball out of your hand. So I don't know if it's all completely on the offensive line, but it's something that we've definitely challenged the entire offense with. We've got to reduce that number. Um, and and uh, I'm you know fired up about our staff, Coach Mahalchek, Coach Petrie, our running backs coach. Those guys do an awesome job, and I have you know I have a lot of confidence that we'll be able to get that done. Brian, hey, I really appreciate the time. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah, no problem. Anna Canzano hosts That Expert Show, the show you help run. Hear the top experts on a variety of topics, interviewed by a top journalist. Find That Expert Show and other shows on the ThatCast Network. Visit thatcast.com. From Guild Coliseum to Research Stadium, it's the Beaver Buzz with Bob Lundeberg. All right, well, we're back here at Oregon State Football Media Day with defense. Well, outside, we call you outside linebacker, is correct, right? Yeah. Hammock or Sheed. Hammock, thanks so much uh, for taking some time and hopping on the Beaver Buzz podcast. Thank you for having me. So, you've been playing football. When did, when did you start playing football? I imagine it's uh, a long time ago, right? I've been playing since I'm the age of five. I've been <laughs> playing tackle football. I never played flag, so it's just been a, a rough, not even rough. I just, I love it. It's, it's a big thing, and I've been doing it for years, so why not continue? So, You've been playing since the age of five. You've been doing this, you know, entering fall camp thing for a while now. Do you still get that little feeling inside your stomach where it's just like, oh, man, that that excitement, that adrenaline running, just thinking, hey, we're actually going to be playing real football games here in like less than a month. I can't wait for it. Just can't wait. I feel like it's always like you got to chop your teeth for it. You know, it's like a teeth biter and, you know, you just want it. You want it so bad. You work so hard for it months. All these months you train for this one moment. So why not be excited for it? What what is your favorite part of fall camp because you know my football career ended in high school I certainly wasn't good enough to make it to this level and I remember you know you'd be excited for fall camp you get out there and then maybe after a few days of daily doubles you're just like what did I sign up for but you know it's fun bonding with your team it's fun getting everything going and then finally once you get into like game week prep it's awesome for you I guess what what is your kind of favorite part of fall camp uh, I honestly don't feel like I have just one part uh, yeah it's always you just gotta love the grind so I feel like just learning every day. I think that's my best part. Uh, you just going in there with meetings, getting your mind better, uh, fixing the mistakes that you made before. So it's like you just got to fix everything. And I feel like just the grind of itself is just the best part. So there were certainly some question marks surrounding this defense, you know, entering last season. And it's probably fair to say that, you know, a lot of them were kind of exposed right away in that Ohio State game. But mm-hmm. 11 months later from now, how do you feel about the overall progress that you guys have made as a defense as a whole? Not just position group specific, but as a defense as a whole. Do you guys feel like you made a lot of progress since that Ohio State game? I definitely feel like we made a lot of strides and big gains from that 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 game so it's feel I feel like it's just a big process and we're going to continue to fight with it uh yes they're big they're big guys you know it's Pac-12 against a different conference so you yeah. know they're bigger so yeah uh, now I feel like we had young guys that wasn't ready for that yet and honestly I feel like I wasn't ready for that game yet uh I didn't start warming up until later on in the season I feel like that was just the playbook wise and I feel like everything goes along with that just playing not just being out there but actually getting in football shape that's that's a big thing right uh-huh. there be out there tired so it's like football shape and this track shape it's all it's all different you know it's just 
then you got to read and you got to read the keys and all that is is big difference. So from the day the Civil War ended that your guys' season was over to kind of where we are now, what was the biggest message that the defensive coaches sent your way? You already mentioned about being in shape, getting in shape, getting in football shape. Was it there there had to have been more to it than there? I guess what were so what were kind of the biggest things that the coaches were really drilling your guys' head in the off season to get prepared for where we are right now? Oh, that's a kind of tough one. It's been a it's a long it's a, a long, long it's a long it's yeah. a long list and it's yeah, a long. It's a long. Well, what are some of the things that pop in your mind that you remember being like, hey, you know, the coaches clearly made it important. These they clearly made these you know few issues. They were really important, and these are things that as a collective group, maybe you can talk about the linebackers. What were the things that you guys are really trying to improve upon in the off season? Oh, for the off season, I feel like even in end season, we was trying to stop the run, you know, and mm-hmm. tackling. That's always been a big thing we needed to. And obviously, we need to tackle because it's ridiculous to have our secondary leading the tackles. So, yeah. you know, we had to be the leaders of, of the defense and we got to do everything right. So I feel like tackling is always going to be a thing. Toughness, hitting the, hitting the offense before they hit us. That's always a big thing right there. Just I feel like teams attacked us in good and bad ways, and we got to be able to respond to that. You know, we had our month, what, over a month to think about football, you know, at home at December. So I hate going back to that. And Mm -hmm. all I do is just work out. So I feel like we need to change that. And that starts right now. And it started months ago. So just working out hard and grinding. You know, you mentioned stopping the run. That was clearly probably the biggest issue for the defense last year. And, and when, you know, you go back and watch the film, you guys used so many two- and three-man defensive line fronts. And a big reason behind that was that there just wasn't the depth there. But exactly. with where we are, you know, now entering this season into fall camp, how do you feel about the depth on the defensive line? Because just looking at it on paper, I think you guys have a lot more bodies on that yeah. front than you guys did a year yeah, ago. We still have, like, I, I want to say a little over, maybe 20. I don't know. But it's up there. Yeah. So. I feel like we we made big strides for that, and hopefully everybody stay healthy. You know, uh, they do what they have to do. They do their job, and that's the big thing right there, uh, doing their job and actually doing a little bit of more. You know, we just can't do our get our gap. We got to do distract our gap. You know, we got to hit the guy, throw him back two or three yards so everybody get tackled for loss. That, that, that messes up the offense and the defense gets better from that. That's all confidence. The um – on uh let's let's phrase the question this way as an outside linebacker what is your favorite part of playing that position because you get to do i I, you know coach tibbs talking to him about outside linebackers you just you guys need to be the weapons right you guys need to be the playmakers you guys need to be getting in there and just wrecking stuff what is your favorite part of playing that outside linebacker position in a you know in a generic two four three four type defense honestly i feel like it's just that we could do everything uh we could we could pass, we could pass block, we could coverage, we could man on man, we could do it all. So I feel like we're, we're we are that weapon. We're not supposed to get blocked by tight ends and running backs, you know. So it's just that we're supposed to be the big weapon. We got to beat everybody. So I feel like just knowing that we're supposed to be the big man on on the field is the big thing right now, and I love it. And I got I'm gonna step up to it. How many sacks and quarterback hits are you going for this year? Have you put numbers up there that you're trying to get? Oh, yeah. It's up there. Y'all might think I'm crazy, but I'm, it's up there. I'm saying du- definitely more than double digits. So Double digit double sacks? Double digits, for sure. And, I mean, in, and again, in the scheme that you're in, it's I mean, that's what you're supposed to do, right? You need to go for out sure. there and attack the quarterbacks, right? For sure. For sure. 
with with uh, the way that you know the Pac-12 is now, there's so many passing offenses that we see. How much of stopping the pass is having a lockdown secondary where everyone is guarding their man, or you know, perfect safety help and all that? And how much of it is that defensive front getting pressure on the quarterback? Would you say either one is more important, or like what, or are they they both equal? I mean, what's your kind of thoughts on what it takes to stop these pass offenses in the Pac-12? Honestly, I feel like it's always it starts with the the D line and the outside mm-hmm. linebackers. Obviously, yeah. We get there in two, three seconds. It's not gonna matter what the the secondaries do. We what coach always talks about is that good, good, good. <laughs> what do you say? <laughs> good pass rush could always beat a bad coverage. You so you know. Oh yeah, yeah. That's so, what Coach know, Tibbs says. Yes, he always talks about that. You know, if we get a good, if we get a good pass rush. It's not gonna matter what the secondaries doing. They could catch up. They could always fix that. And you know. I feel like if we get to the sack, we get sacks and we're quarterback Harry's and the quarterback can't get his, his full arm off, his full motion off, then we're doing better. That that could cause a, a overthrow or, you know, an underthrow or, you know, a whole bunch of stuff that could happen with that. Earlier I talked with Coach Lindgren about the up-tempo offense. You know, almost every team now runs some type of up-tempo offense. For someone like yourself, I'm sure coming up high school, you probably face those up-tempo offenses all the time. Is that is there anything special or different with having to face these up-tempo offenses when you guys are kind of making more of your calls on the fly? Or for you, is this just almost what you've experienced growing up where it's not really anything to you when teams go fast against you guys? Uh, I feel like it's both because uh, you got to get the call. You got to you got then you got to look at the offense. Offense. That's what happened. What happened at Ohio State? You know, we were just young and yeah. we're 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 first game. So you know, deep, new offense. You start overthink stuff, and that's what happened. So it's like I feel like it's a little bit of both, as because obviously it's, it slows down eventually. So there's no with that slowing down. That that's with experience and that's with time and and playbooks and stuff like that. So I feel like that's all. Um, how tough uh, how tough of a job do you think new secondary coach Blue Adams has then getting his guys ready to compete against these high power offenses in the Pac-12? Because you know there are a couple teams that are certainly more run oriented, but for the most part, these Pac-12 teams like to throw the ball around, and that secondary it's going to be tested week to week, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. And we have a whole bunch of depth in there, and honestly, I feel like Coach Blue is not the person to play around with these secondaries. And also, he's even screaming at people in conditioning. But <laughs> last week, so it's like, oh, you're not ready for this, blah blah blah, trying to make people quit. So it's like he's doing that right now so when fall camp starts they're not going to have that so he's not or he's going to stay in that ear in fall camp until they get they to they they, st- they step up and they have that so i feel like that's what it is right now one guy i wanted to ask you about was uh inside backer avery roberts um he was a uh, transfer from nebraska just watching him throughout the spring he seemed like a guy just kind of looked like a football player out there i think he seemed like he just he was in control kind of knew what he was doing i just to me he just screamed i watched him and i thought that he, he was a guy what what, what are your yeah. thoughts of avery roberts and what, what kind of year do you think he's gonna have uh playing linebacker for you guys oh i can't wait to see avery uh um he's a great kid uh uh-huh. i love the man to death uh he's he's always competing and he, he's a strong guy. Uh, I can't wait to see him on the field with Coach Bray, and we're going to see what he does. Honestly, I feel like he's a great he's a great player. He's always going to make plays, and I hope, I'm going to hold him to that, and we're going to see what he does this year. All right, I'll get you out of here on a couple easier questions. Well, maybe you won't <laughs> think this is easy, but we'll see. On the defense, who is the fastest linebacker on the defense, inside and outside backer? Who's the fastest one? Oh, that's for sure me. I'm the <laughs> fastest. That's, that's an easy question I always – we always compete, you know, and I'm the fastest, so I'm not even going to. Second probably be, ooh, I don't know, maybe John. Okay. Uh, and then in the secondary, 
Who's the fastest guy you got back there in the second? I've seen the practice. You guys have Ooh. some speed back there. Yeah, they, they're fast back there. I'm definitely going to say done for sure. Isaiah Dunn? Yes, that boy is fast. Okay. Oh. Any, anyone else pushing him at all or just Isaiah? Mm-hmm. What if, he is getting a 23 on his catapult, so I'm not really sure who's the next one. All right. Last question for you then. You've been in Corvallis. How many years have you been in Corvallis? Is this your fourth year? Third year? Uh, third now. Third year. Going third year on, in maybe. Corvallis. What's your favorite place to eat in town? Do you have a go-to spot, a couple go-to spots? Where do you – when you eat lunch, <laughs> dinner, whatever, where, is your, where are some of your spots to go to eat in Corvallis? We always go to Flat Tail. So okay. Me and the boys, we always go to Flat Tail and eat. But obviously, you could say Local Boys. Local Boys is a great spot to go eat at also. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Ham, uh, thanks so much uh, for jump, coming on the show. Be uh, be seeing you at practice here in the next few weeks yep. in preparation for that Oklahoma State game. Yep, can't wait. Thank you. All right. That'll do it for this week's Fall Camp Preview Podcast. As always, thanks for tuning in. And look for uh, another show from me next week as practices get underway over at Prothor Field. It is officially football season, everyone. Discover the growing lineup of ThatCast Network podcasts and videocasts at ThatCast.com.